Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dylan. Hello there. Welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And today, friends, we are looking at the year 2001. But also, we have something to do first. Charlie, do you know what it is? Uh, well, I can guess, but why don't you just say it anyway, because I'm wrong. Okay, so uh, we, if you'll remember, audience, in episode 21, which was uh, dealing with the year 2018, which had just passed, uh, we actually recorded it during 2018, which blew everyone's minds, but mostly mine. <laughs> Mostly mine. Not everyone's because they didn't <laughs> listen to it until 2019, but that's okay. Yeah, well, it's a retroactive mind-blowing thing, you know, that happens. <laughs> mind-blowing in reverse. Uh, I named the episode... Wait, more of a mind implosion than an explosion. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right, Charlie. I, uh, I named the episode the Deeply Problematic Pointing of 2018, and here's why. Because we had a little bit of a dust-up, as, <laughs> as polite of a dust-up as one can find, but yeah... Uh-huh. A dust-up, indeed, regarding the points that we should be giving box sets versus live albums. My argument yeah. was that uh, you know some of these super deluxe editions should should count for more. And but we had we had given live albums a plus three to negative three uh, point system for as long as we could remember, uh, and that that can't change. And we certainly aren't going to go back and start changing. You know who won what year or what happened? No, no, that, no. no. That would be anarchy. That would be anarchy, and except, we might as well. Except for all the years that Bowie lost, we should change those. Too. Yeah, or or the ones that Dylan lost. I guess we should change yeah, those okay. too. Well, then probably not any of them. Let's go back to that thought. Uh, we're actually we're it's in a dead tie if we do that. No one wins. No one loses. wins. No one wins or loses, so and we we need you, winners. Not me and, and not the listeners. Definitely not the listeners. Uh, and that that would be that would be terrible. We would we would have to stop doing the podcast uh, for philosophical reasons. <laughs> so here's what I came up so with. The only good reason to stop doing anything, really. <laughs> it's the only reason. Uh, I came to the end of my uh, brain functioning on that, and I just gave up. Uh-huh. I gave up. So I'm I'm debuting a little bit of a point change going forward, not going back, going forward, and I'm debuting this with my friend Charlie, and he's very nervous right now. I can tell. I don't know what you're going to say. No. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give the possibility of a plus one for an aesthetic point for deluxe box sets or box sets or whatever. Okay. So, and I realize that this is what you've been, this is sort of what you did with the 80s Bowie box set as it was, because it feels, it feels like there's nothing new on there except for those weird reworkings of Never Let Me Down. But you got to give it something. I mean, they put it out. It's beautiful. It's up on your shelf. Oh, yeah. You stare at it when you're drunk. It's you how, know. It, it, how it ended up getting a zero instead of negative points. Exactly. So Physics, we, you know, as a whole, not very good. So, and this one, this will not apply to all of Bob Dylan's bootleg series because, uh, by my count, there's like four or five that are deluxe editions, uh, yeah. and the rest yeah, are yeah, just two more, discers. It's more of a recent thing. It, it's more of a recent thing. Exactly, exactly. And so, and you know, caveat, like I have to actually own it, I'm pretty sure, in order for me to, to give something like an extra point. Sorry, tr- sorry, trouble no more. Sorry, trouble no more. You're out. You're trouble again. <laughs> you might be beautiful, but... <clears throat> Absolutely, but I don't care. You're I'm, untouchable. You're un- <laughs> you don't get an, an aesthetic point. Uh, actually, this is an addition edition, a little bit, I gotta say. Now that I'm thinking yeah, right, about I'm, it. I'm all right with this plan. I like it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Cool and and uh, here's, here's our grand compromise. Charlie and I won't have a fist fight over yeah. the phone anymore. Here's our grand compromise. <laughs> For 2018, I am going back, but I won't change the results of the, the, the point system. Okay. So I'm going to give more blood, more tracks, an extra aesthetic point. So it would have a, it would have a plus four to negative four at that point. But I'm going to subtract a negative five point off the entire thing because, you know, it's a bit of a niche product. So what that will end up doing to our 2018 is Charlie, Bowie rocks a, what are you end up doing, 5.5? 5. 5. 
and Dylan will end up with a five. Okay. Hey, so you still win. <clears throat> you still win, but I, I'm gratified that live albums and deluxe box sets are not the exact same points. Yeah, no, I'm cool with it. All right. All right, there let's it is. do this thing. Do it. Hit it. Let's talk about 2001. Let's. A year I remember. Me too. A year you remember. I turned 21. Oh. Wow! And I turned 19 and no one Wow! It's my golden birthday, but, you know, who cares? You already mentioned right. that on this podcast. So, one of the things we've talked about in, in this, this show, and one of the things that's come up over and over again, is some of these, like, nothing years, such as for Bowie 2001, that end up becoming, like, kind of fascinating, because it's a year I never paid any attention to. There's no albums from it. There weren't even any singles in 2001, which is really weird for him. That's bizarre. And yet, when I dived into it, I found all kinds of interesting. It reminded me of when we did uh, 1994, which was a nothing year. Yeah. I found all kinds of like this, just unpacked this weird load of crazy stuff in there, and went. This was awesome. It was so much fun to do that year. 2001 ended up being one of those years. So we got a lot of little weird stuff, but not uh, not a lot of big stuff. But there's one big notable thing which I'm going to start with, but it's, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Hit it. Um, so the guy in the background is Bowie. You know, he had an amazing 70s. A bad 80s. And 90s in which he was slowly rebuilding his credibility, but doing it by chasing, you know, really cutting-edge trends, like, two years after they were cutting-edge. Sometimes successfully. Sonny Little David. Oh, yeah, it's good stuff, but, you know, he was, like, in later years, when you don't realize how, like, how he just feels, like, a little desperate, you know, chasing these trends. Now you can just kind of appreciate it for what it is, rather than... Yeah, of course. At the time, I guess, more difficult. Got some hindsight. And he finally blossomed into the early, the late 90s, early 2000s with, like, just being finally okay that he was getting a little old. You know, he's in his 50s now. Uh, he released uh, Hours in 1999, which is actually a pretty bad album, unfortunately. But oh, that's well. kicked off his new era of just being kind of like, what have I heard it called? Neo-classic rock. I don't know what that term, but whatever. It's just kind of like, uh, and it... it Hours ended up being like going into you know kind of like painful soft rock at times, mm. but uh, afterwards you know he then in reality and then even when his big comeback in 2013 with the next day is still same that same mold. It's all like good solid stuff. Even if it's, even if it's completely revolutionary, it's good solid stuff. Yeah. So our one big thing from 2001 is a strange little animal, and I've talked about it at some kind of length already a couple times in the 2002 episode and in the covers episode which is why I'm going to give it a little less space today okay. and that is Bowie's true unreleased album yeah. it's completely recorded, completely finished it's called Toy and the uh, record label more or less refused to release it so it's never come out officially in any, in any way it's called Toy it's most notable because it's primarily covers of songs like Bowie covering himself from the late 60s and early 70s. Right. Like before, most of it's before he got famous, or it's really odd tracks from when he was like in his early years. Like the latest one was one that he originally recorded during the Ziggy Stardust sessions, but it never came out in any form. So it's an interesting album. I mean, an interesting idea, but it just shows he's really in this nostalgic mode right here. He finally started in 2000, he finally started playing the hits again. In the 90s, he refused to play mm-hmm. his hits. Mm-hmm. He retired them in the 1990 tour. And uh, only played maybe three or four classic hits the whole decade. Um, wow. And then 2000, he busted them all out again. He's getting nostalgic. Yep. He's getting old. He's making money. It's all right. <laughs> making money. Making Make, sweet, sweet Making bank. piles of cash. Oh, so much cash. Woo! Woo! Oh, yeah. He bought up all the rights to his, you know, earlier stuff in 97, 98. He made himself into a stock anyway. or whatever it is that he did there. He made released his own bonds. Yeah, bonds. Bowie bonds. That's great. Bowie Bonds, yeah. Bowie Bonds. So, Toy is, it's an interesting ad, like, because it is a lot of obscure songs. There's some from, at least one or two tracks from his first album in 1967. There's some B-sides from those early years, some obscure tracks, some never-released tracks. He did record three or four brand new songs for it. Um, And that was what he's doing, and he put the whole album together and everything was done. Like, there's artwork that he was putting together, like... 
I don't, I don't, it made it sound like it's been together. He was talking to all his fans on his message boards because, you know, he has a website with message boards and sweet stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I feel bad that I never got the chance to, you know, had to be like Charlie at Bowie.com. To nerd out on Bowie, yeah. That was an option. Oh, man. You just think of the bragging rights of that. It's a great day. You could probably try I to, might start, you could probably I might try start to claiming that I did that, even though I didn't have <laughs> That's what it'll morph into. By episode <laughs> nine. By episode, oh, yeah, I, remember, I, was, I was there, you guys. I remember yeah. back then. I, would, I was Charlie at Bowie.com. It's great. By episode ninety, you'll be like, you'll have a whole episode about Bowie.com and how you. Oh, Bowie.com. Well, oh, it'll yeah. come up at some point. I don't remember what year originally launched, but anyway, I think it's ninety-eight, which would be a good year to talk about it. So this uh, this album did leak in twenty eleven. It doesn't seem as though it's actually the finished version. It's probably an early version. Okay, that's it might good. not be the official track listing. It's fourteen tracks, which you recorded at least sixteen or seventeen for it. But it's there's questionable if all 14 were supposed to be on there, if the track listing is correct. Of course. It doesn't seem like they're actually the final mixes, because quite a few of them were released as, it's almost, it's about half of them were released in some form, either on uh, as B-sides for Heathen, his 2002 album, okay, or um, in deluxe editions of that, or three of them notably showed up in 2014, which was the 50th anniversary of his original single. He released his greatest compilation, uh, Nothing has changed. And the three-disc version, it actually contains three tracks from Toy. Wow. Like, right in the track listing, right where it would be if it, if it had come around. Oh. Which is interesting. It makes me, makes, gives me hope that someday we will get an official release of Toy. So, do you think... Like, come on, you guys. Do you think at the time they had, like, sent it off to the label and all that stuff? Like, they had it sequenced and mastered and all that stuff? Or was it... I they get it, that impression. Bowie made it sound like that when he was talking to fans. Like, he, oh. he, had, he, was, he said when he expected it to come out and that it kept getting delayed for various reasons. It's never been entirely clear why his record label didn't release it. It seems more like they were they didn't want to release it yet, like it was okay. coming out too soon, and they're trying to like you know work this whole marketing blah blah. The comeback, the comeback. But his last album was was already ninety nine. It's not like it came out you know six yeah. months after his last album or something. And he toured off of that and everything, and he was successful. He he took a good break in two thousand for a while. Um, did some big shows, but he also had a daughter born in two thousand, so he was. Laying low a little bit, so well, I don't know. Plus, don't know. plus, Y two K wiped out his entire computer system. Oh, it's probably what it is, yeah. you know. Except for Boy. Oh yeah, I, mean, I know because I was there. I had it. You know, I was totally <laughs> at Boy. So that's, right. that's toy. You were an and administrator, I've before, so I won't dive into it any further. But it was it's a tantalizing like possibility out there. I listened to I listened to the bootleg version, which is easy to find, and it's good. I mean, it's not like masterpiece but it's it's surprising it's it, like listening to it you gotta go wonder why it unearthed it decide not to release itself it's so, not a train wreck by any any stretch of the imagination not even close yeah, to a train wreck five seven eight albums worse than it a minor fender bender at the worst at the, not even not even that it's a pleasant drive it's a lazy sunday drive it's a lazy sunday afternoon drive jake That's yeah and then you All hit right. a possum enough about toy Let's get into a series of multiple choice questions. Oh boy, are they cascading or just or just adjacent? No, not cascading. Like, there's just several. There's just several. They never work out. A lot of weird stuff, and we got we got to dive into it. So let's do something a little kind of. We'll start with something a little colorful here, Jake. I'm putting on my thinking cap. Multiple choice number one is: In 2001, Bowie had a cameo Uh in a film. Yep. So Bowie had a cameo in which 2001 film? Oh boy, am I going to recognize any of these? Oh, you'll, you should know the names of all four of them. Oh, okay. Great. Number one. Yep. Mulholland Drive. Never heard of it. Go ahead. That's not true. I know. Number two. <laughs> Zoolander. Oh, okay. I saw that movie. I saw both, I've seen both three. these movies so far. Number three. Moulin yep. Rouge. Okay. And number four. Scary Movie 2. Oh, my gosh. Scary Movie 2? He wouldn't do that. Uh, okay, I think you said something about Moulin Rouge and how it was weird that he wasn't in it before. So I'm going to strike that. And you didn't think that he had a relationship with David Lynch, even though he sort of did, but not like a specific one. So I'm going to strike Mulholland Drive. Uh, what's the second one you said? Oh, Zoolander. Oh, Zoolander. I saw that movie at least once, probably. You know what? I'm just going to go for it. Scary Movie 2. Oh, Zoolander! Oh! enjoying that you obviously actually listen to me which is cool yeah every once in a like, while because you're right I was surprised he wasn't in Mulan Rouge and he's involved with it I'm gonna get it yeah. in a second 
And you're right about David Lynch. Yeah. Oh man, that was a good really that was a good wacky choice you tacked on the end. I didn't you tricked me completely off the wall of there. I was you just looking at the list of you know, tricked me. movies from 2001, and that one was there. I thought because those were there. those were huge movies, like if I remember <laughs> right, which is dumb, but you know it could have. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it'd be surprising if he was in famous there. people were in them. Surprising choices. So yeah, he's in Zoolander, Jake. It's actually hilarious. I'm sure. I saw Zoolander one time when I yeah. was, you know, I might even see it in theaters. Did I, see it? I think I saw it in theaters, like at the budget theater. Oh, when nice. I was in college, I want to say. That's a good place and to I see it. And I remember thinking it was really, really funny then. And some of those, I don't want to watch it again because I'm worried that now I won't think it's funny. I, I think it's. I like, kind of warm feeling about it because it was really cracked me up a lot when I was, you know, my old boys in 2001. I think it's still 18, funny. 1819? I think it's still funny. I, I, well, I, I would imagine. I mean, Will Ferrell, at the very least, is in it at his. You know, at his funniest, probably That's time true. of time of his career. So anyway, there's a point where uh, Ben Stiller's character Zoolander and Owen Wilson's character, whatever his name is, yeah, have a like a walk off, like a fashion walk off, in which they're competing against one another, and they make it like they make it really over the top. It's like this underground boxing match style, in yeah. which they're doing like these runway walk offs and doing all this yeah. crazy stuff. <laughs> and so they're about ready to start this thing, and they're like. Be the judge. Who's gonna be the judge? And David Bowie shows up out of nowhere, and oh, a little man. snatch of "Let's Dance" plays, and he goes, "I think I might be of some service." <laughs> He's really, he really hams it up in a really fantastic way. It's, All it's right. Poison. I didn't watch the movie yet, but I did watch that clip. Wait about yeah, it. Like, it's like a four-minute clip or something. And so they do all these ridiculous walk-off things, and then finally Owen Wilson's character wins by somehow removing his underwear without removing his pants. <laughs> See, that's and, comedy uh, gold Stiller's, right there. Ben Stiller's character can't do it, and so Bowie <laughs> gets the, the walk-off. Just throws, throws it to Owen Wilson. How, how dare you think that's not funny these days? That's hilarious. <laughs> it was funny. I liked it. All right. It's probably my wife who really has something against Zoolander. I don't know why. I don't know. Well, it's pretty obnoxious, I would imagine. I probably, I don't remember. Again, I thought it was really funny when I was, you know, 18 or 19 and saw it. And I just going to leave that warm feeling in my past. Hey, probably never watched again. Didn't, okay. you, didn't you post about Bowie's appearance on the message boards on davidbowie.com back in the day? You know, I did, posting under my handle, Charlie, at davidbowie.com. Yeah. Weren't you the and administrator did, oh. for that chat room? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was. That's A lot of privileges <laughs> inherent in that position. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, so we mentioned Moulin Rouge and how it's kind of surprising Bowie wasn't in it. Yes, because it would have made sense. Although, and were Bowie there actually was? Oh, sorry, were there go. were there cameos in that movie, or was it just the songs? Like Elton John wasn't in it or something, even though they used his song. No, but there were you know, like there was that whole uh, I know Bowie's just all over it. Okay, because there all were right. some other smaller characters, and there were the diamond. I don't, I don't remember. You know, I haven't seen that movie in a long time either. I'm a really like that movie too. Yeah. Anyway, because uh, Bowie is involved with it in multiple levels. He does appear prominently on, the, on two songs on the soundtrack, for one thing. And the, apparently those songs are very like only briefly heard in the actual song. So he does um, two different covers of Nature Boy, which I didn't write down who originally wrote it, but it's originally performed by Nat King Cole. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the opening song. It's, there was once a strange and magic boy. And da-da-da-da-da. I didn't realize that was a, a cover. I thought that was oh, an okay. original song to Milliners. Because Milliners is such a mix of covers and originals. Yes, it is. Like, sometimes it's hard it's to tell in there. Up. So, um, I think Ewan McGregor sings it in the movie, actually. But Bowie sings it on the soundtrack. Oh, okay. And so that's the first track is him performing this solo. And then the last track on the soundtrack is him, is a, like, remix of it done by Massive Attack. Whoa. <laughs> which okay. is an interesting, like, kind of cutting-edge collaboration at the sure. time. You know, Massive sure. Attack and Bowie in 2001. You know, it's kind of cool. Other notable things is, I mean, he's all over the movie in different ways. There's, um, like, some of the uh, prostitutes in Moulin Rouge are referred to as the Diamond Dogs. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. And there's a cover of Diamond Dogs, a really bonkers cover by Beck, which is pretty awesome and sounds like nothing like the original, but it's oh. really pretty cool. Wow. Um, nice. That's also on the soundtrack. And then there's the famous Elephant Love Medley, where they put all those different, you know, tons and tons of love songs together. Yeah. And one of the most prominent one is Heroes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that one gets in there in a big way. So Bowie's, you know, involved with it. It's just, yeah, it's a little surprising he wasn't in the movie at some point. Like, yeah. that would have been totally his game. Maybe he said no. Maybe, well, I don't know. I can't see him saying no to that, but maybe it didn't work He's out. Like, I've got to film no. Zoolander. <laughs> it's probably more like, I'm staying at home with my daughter. I'm with my, my daughter. daughter. 
That's probably what it is. All right. Next up, you ready for another multiple choice question? Yeah, I almost All got right. that last one. I'm, I'm mad. I want to turn back I time. Go ahead. You're close. All right. Go ahead. Turn it back around with this one here. I'm ready. In 2001, he covered a song by which of the following classic rock artists? Oh yeah. Now you get. I'm going to give you six choices. You get to pick two. He did two he notable did two. covers of classic rock artists. Oh jeez. Okay. All right. Number one, The Kinks. Okay. Number two, Pink Floyd. Uh huh. Number three, Simon and Garfunkel. Never heard of them. Go ahead. Number four, Love. Okay. Number five, The Who. Uh huh. And number six, The Beach Boys. All right. I know Simon and Garfunkel because again, I was listening to you. He did that at the <laughs> he did that at the <laughs> concert for New York in two thousand one. Okay. Oh, nice now I, this wow. is going to be a crapshoot for the rest of it. Yeah, I didn't okay. mention the other one. I definitely no, didn't the other gosh, one. love. You threw love in there. That's not a famous... It's because I didn't know about it until researching it for this episode. So I definitely love is not as famous as the other ones by far. Uh, but what does fame have to do with Bowie? Except for that song that you recorded. Nothing, but that seems like one of your trick questions. I don't know. I'm gonna, It's just a total guess. Let's see. We got the Kinks, Pink Floyd, Love, uh, the Beach Boys? The Who the Be- and the Beach Boys. Oh, the Who and the Beach Boys. Gosh, the Who. Nice work, Jake. No. Got correct. Yes. Well done. <laughs> what song was it? Uh, Pictures of Lily. Yeah, there you go. Okay. He did. Uh, he actually covered the Who in 1973 on his 1973 album Pinups. Pinups. He, he did anywhere. You know, shoot, anywhere, anyway. Yeah. He recorded two. I can't remember. He might have covered two of them. Um, he covered Pictures of Lily for a Who cover album. He turned the song about, which is you know usually thought about, uh, usually thought of as being about uh, self pleasure. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't, but don't explain it. <laughs> uh, he made it into a long, slow song. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. He thinks it gets decent. I'm not saying this, but this is more of like the nostalgia of this time period. The fact that he would like be on a covers album of the Who. Yeah, you're right. Or you know, his almost contemporaries, the Who. They're just not that far ahead of him. No, not at all. Uh, the cover album also features Cheryl Crow, mm. Paul Weller, mm. The Stereophonics, Fish, mm. Pearl Jam, and yeah. quote others. <laughs> and the rest here on Gilligan. <laughs> and the rest here on Gilligan. <laughs> yeah, oh and man! Then the bunch, and then and then the other half of the album was people I've never heard of. So you know, you know how they do these. We things. should do. We should do not right now, but we should do a, a riff on compilation albums in those days. Where like it was such a thing to get everyone together oh, yeah. and be like, oh, here one, cover like, a who song, yeah. Right. Then, like a couple of like you know moderately important people at the time. Right, things that are going to so sound dated. Get, like, Pearl Jam, yeah, so you get Bowie on there. You get Pearl Jam and Cheryl Crow. Still some big people who are still like moderately oh, yeah. important at the time. Then you get like one underground guy, Paul Weller, uh-huh. and then one up and comer, Stereophonics. Right, and then you get Fish to do it, and then you get Fish on there also. You got to have Fish because I hate Fish <laughs> so badly. <laughs> and then and the rest here on this compilation album. All right, so the other cover was, as you stated, was he covered America right. for the concert for New York in 2001 in yeah. the wake of, it's a month after, a little more of a month after uh, 9-11. Yes. Um, he also did Heroes because he plays Heroes at every kind of thing like this. Of course. Um, and then <laughs> gotcha. we talked about a lot at the covers, so I wasn't going to get that too much, but he opened the show, and it was him sitting on the ground with some like weird old synthesizer. Yeah, that's right. And he did this, and he played this really kind of like unique version of America and it starts out like the music sounds kind of circusy at first yeah but it, I feel like it works it was really kind of affecting it it was good I liked it yeah and they blow things up with heroes naturally and of then course. you know and then there was the rest of the concert it so was then, heroic but it wasn't really end the rest because there were giant people all over that concert it was a big thing alright you ready for another question Jake yeah I got I'm a couple more I'm one for two we got a couple more okay hit me I got I think I got five this one <laughs> I had a bunch of multiple choice. He did a bunch of crazy stuff. This is the best way to get to My brain stuff. is exhausted already. All right. Hit All right. it. Bowie, he performed live. He only did a couple of shows the entire year. So aside okay. from the, the concert of New York, he only did one other show all year. And it was only a partial one also. All right. He performed live with which two famous musicians? So again, I'm going to give you six. 
Okay. So wait, this is a this is a one-off concert that he performed. One-off concert. It wasn't even like it was another. It was a. Uh, let me tell you, it was the Tibet House Benefit. Show. Okay, I was gonna say it's got to be a benefit or something. Okay. And so he only played, you know, two songs, three songs. Okay. Yeah. He yeah, played yeah. with he these. Played he played, so he played with played these people. With them. Yes. With them, like on the stage at the same time. On the stage, they're playing at the same time. They're we rocking out. And these other two people at exactly the same time. Were they time. shredding guitars? I can't tell you oh, anything, Jake. That's going to get stuff away. All right. I should probably won't giving you the choices that I got for you. But I'm not going to. I'm right. not going to get this. The choices one. are Philip Glass. Okay. Scott Walker. Yeah. Moby. Okay. <laughs> Gwen Stefani. All right. Laurie Anderson. Uh huh. Or Prince. Okay. Let's see here. We're going to go. Uh, all right, I'm gonna give you a hand, Jake, because I'm feeling I'm feeling generous. Thank you, because this is uh, impossible. I know, I know, it's impossible. Uh, both of them were people he collaborated with at other times as well. All right, I want to, I want to, I want to say previously he previously worked with both of them. I think I might even mention the collaborations with both of them. Okay. I don't remember. I want to say Moby. Okay. Is that one of them, or can you tell me if I'm right at all? Sure, sort of? I'll tell you, it's one of them. Yep, you're right. Okay, okay, okay nice great. work. Well done. Great. Okay, so Philip Glass and Moby, I can't see them on the stage together. Gwen Stefani, Lori Anderson. What was the last one you said? Prince. Yeah, it's not Prince. Um... Scott Walker was the other choice. Oh, yeah, Scott Walker was the other choice. All right, Scott Walker. No. Oh. Philip Glass, Jay. Oh, it was Philip Glass. Yeah, he was on oh. stage with Philip Glass and Moby at the same time. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I gotta reason. say, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's kind of whack. And I didn't really tell what songs he played, but he probably also played uh, Heroes. Would be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? That's all he really. That's all he really had to play. The, there was a final song where like everybody from the concert got up there at right. the same time. So right. it was again him playing with Philip Glass and Moby, but he also then performed with Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, nice. Natalie Merchant, uh-huh. Patty Smith, yeah. and Dave Matthews. <laughs> Our good friend. And they performed together Patty Smith's song, People Have the Power. That's almost a high class version of the supergroup, The Knots. I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. I remember. I'm remembering now. Except We're getting with close. actual star power. Except with actual star power. <laughs> Dave Matthews was really big in 2001, though, i got to say. That's true. In 2001, he was. Not yeah. when the knots came together. No, 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 no. That's no. not. But in 2001, yes, he was big. Okay. Was All right. <laughs> Way to go. Are you ready for another multiple choice question? Here we go. I'm ready. Okay. Hit me. In 2001, Bowie collaborated with which hot rapper? <laughs> this is great. Okay. I'm ready. Jay Z. Jay Z. Eminem. Eminem. P. Diddy. P. Dids. Or Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. These are all hot rappers indeed. <laughs> oh, my brain is hurting. I want to say Jay Z. Jay Z. No, that's P. Diddy. P. Diddy. Oh, P. Diddy. P. Diddy. P. Diddy is the worst one. Well, the story is. Oh, P. Diddy, like, uh, hot, hey. hot off his collab with. Uh, with uh, Jimmy Page on that awful cashmere rap cover they did for Godzilla in the late <laughs> 90s. Is, Do you remember that? Like was, oh, it was. Sounds like they did exactly the same thing here. It was here. so bad. <laughs> so bad. Because it was for the Training Day soundtrack. Oh, okay. So I think P. Diddy was trying to recreate what you were just talking about, or possibly create it the first time. I don't know which one came first. I think it was Godzilla. I do remember first. you and I going to see Godzilla in the theater. <laughs> that together. was so bad. And talking about how bad it was. It was awful. Let's watch it again, Chaz, for old times' sake. So long as we can turn it into a drinking game somehow. Every time it sucks, which is every second, <laughs> you're dead. Five minutes later, we're both dead. You're just dead. Five minutes into the movie. Ooh. All right, so they did. It was for the Training Day soundtrack. It was kind of a cover rework of Bowie's own song, yeah. This Is Not America. Okay. With Bowie, but it wasn't just... Bowie wasn't just sampled. He re-recorded stuff for this. He recorded, like... So that's I first thought it was just a sample. It's not. Okay. As I renamed it, American Dream is five and a half minutes long. Uh-huh. And I don't and it's, know. And it's amazing. <laughs> and that is all. It's like big, you know, trip hop beat to it and everything. It's interesting. And P. Diddy's like, say what, say what? <laughs> it wasn't bad. I, I oh, okay. One time. All right. It that's went on fair. too long, but. Yo, yo. It was, it was, it was interesting. Whatever. 
Okay. All right, I got one last question for you. Oh, wow. I'm going to turn things over to you. Are okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. I got nothing In else to do. In Bowie also did what other fairly crazy thing? Okay. Number one, narrated a radio show about a London club. Okay. Number two, released a compilation of his own instrumental songs. Okay. Number three, did guest vocals for obscure rock funk band. Okay. Or number four, narrated a documentary about an obscure English painter. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like it's one of the documentaries. Let's go obscure English painter. Uh, trick question. He did all of them. <laughs> I should have said you jerk. Yeah, you You're know, such I a jerk. Them. I thought about making them all like that, but then I just I decided to save them for the last one. Yeah, that, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, how long did you spend on crafting all of those uh, <laughs> questions? I don't know. I don't know, anywhere between two and 23 hours or something? There's a lot going on there. <laughs> well, it's more like I've got a list of all these like things I want to talk about. Yeah. If I just rattle them off, it gets boring, you know? Yeah, that's true. But if I make you think that's about, what I'm about it and, to do. and make dumb, dumb guess about these <laughs> dumb questions, then yeah. it gets interesting. Uh-huh. And I get to list and talk about everything I want to. And so, you got to say the I words hope. Gwen Stefani out loud. Gwen Stefani. Gwen? I could see Bowie having worked with Gwen Stefani. Yeah, that, me too. I could have seen that. I, to my knowledge, he didn't, but I could have seen that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she I almost said that. She was making weird pop. He loved weird pop. Yeah, she was making weird pop. It's true. Um, all right. So no doubt about it. He narrated a radio show yeah. for the BBC about the history of the Marquee Club in London, yep. which Bowie played at multiple times. I couldn't find this to listen to any part of it, so there's that. Okay. He did make a compilation of his own instrumental songs called All Saints. He had released it himself like, earlier in the 90s. It's just like gave it out to friends or something for Christmas. Oh, all right. And then he gave it an actual release in 2001. And so it's almost entirely from Heroes and Low, because that's where most of his instrumental songs are, um, with a couple more scattered in from later on in his career. Okay. So um, he, he didn't do anything he, new? Nothing new for it, no. Okay, gotcha. He did guest vocals for a band called The Rustic Overtones. Yeah, never heard of them. Never heard of them. No. Tony Visconti was producing their album. Oh, uh, yes. Asked Bo if he wanted to stop by, and Bowie did, and I was like, record some vocals. You're gonna have to. Before. You're gonna have to do like an episode on Tony Visconti at some point. We don't. Talk, oh man. We don't talk yeah. about him, but he's yeah. like Bowie's bro. Oh yeah. Throughout history, on. he was gone. He was gone for the '80s, which uh, in one of the biographies I read was. Like, made a big deal about that. That did not think this was quite a coincidence that he left after Bowie's, you know, after Scary Monsters in 1980. Sure. And didn't, didn't come back until the tanked. early 2000s, yeah. really. That's like interesting. Was, like, I wonder if that would have made any... rehabilitated. I wonder if that would have made any difference at all. I don't know. Like, I know it's, it's tantalizing to think. Would Bowie have been good in the 80s? Yeah, he could have been... Fallen out? He could have been one of the, hand, hand, one of the handful that was good. Who knows? Right. I don't know. Uh, so Rustic Overtones, yeah. And then he narrated a documentary on Stanley Spencer, an obscure English artist. Okay. So I'm going to wrap things up with the year and hair. All right. Bowie was rocking a shoulder-length do in this. He was really looking a lot like he did in the uh, in the very early 70s for, like, Man Who Sold the World and Hunky Dory era. Right. And so it was it was long hair. It was out there. And uh, it, he looked all right with it. I'm okay with it. Okay. I'm going to give it a uh, three and a half. Three, a, uh, you know, three and a half thousand <laughs> out of a million. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, kinda, I was okay with it. He was wearing a lot of frock coats that year. He was for a few years there, actually. Yeah, nice frock, frock coats. Yeah, yeah, I recognize the, the frock coats. <laughs> 97 up to the early 2000s, there was a lot of frock coats. Oh, man, that's great. But if anybody could pull off a frock coat in his 50s, it was Bowie. It was yeah, clearly with, Bowie. <clears throat> with the long if hair and all. If anyone could do it, it was him. I'm not convinced anyone could do it, but if anyone could, it was But if it were possible... It would not be Bob Dylan, definitely. If it was Bob Dylan, he would not be able to pull it off. <laughs> nope. It would be Bowie. Maybe like Prince. Didn't Prince wear frock coats? Oh, Prince. Prince could pull it off. Yeah, Prince. But we're going to go into his 50s. I don't know if he was still wearing them in his 50s. I he think, died in his 50s. I think he was. He was only like 55 when he died, wasn't he? Yeah, but he looked like he was 31 or something. He looks younger than <laughs> I don't know if there's plastic surgery involved or not. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. know much about Prince. It's a mystery. You're right, though. If anyone, if anyone besides Bowie could pull off a frock coat in his 50s, it was clearly Prince. There you so go. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could even do it better. Oh, Probably. I, I, I bet he would. I bet that. he could. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you know what? They're probably talking about it in heaven right now. Like, who's, who's <laughs> the got... The two of them are comparing, are comparing frock coats. <laughs> hey, nice they're frock coat. On, they're trying on one another's frock coats right now. <laughs> That's what they're doing. <laughs> That's what happens in heaven, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 
psychologically shaking right there, Jake. But let's continue. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Tell us, tell us about Dylan. And All right. Possibly his frock hosts. I'm going to tell you about Dylan. There was absolutely, in fact, why don't I just get it out of the way? I'm going to do a year in wardrobe. Uh, yeah. Because, <clears throat> and it's only important every once in a while with Dylan. Like in the 80s yeah. when he was wearing those weird earrings and his hair was teased into a bouffant, <laughs> if, you'll, if you'll recall. Uh, oh, I will. I'm going to give you the exact opposite of what a frock coat and, and uh, long, wavy, gorgeous uh, hair is. It was, thick, it was thick, lustrous hair. It was thick and lustrous. Well. Now, Dylan's hair he is... not losing his hair in his 50s. Oh, no. Dylan's hair is certainly thick, but lustrous? I don't think so. <laughs> it, was, it was frizzy as ever, but... He smashed it down with uh, with uh, Stetson hats. He had these like cowboy hats. Oh yeah. He yeah. started wearing his western shirts. He started wearing peg pants. He started wearing uh, really. I don't know. I wanted to look it up. Are you by a computer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, it's some sort of western. It's we'll some sort of. It's, interrupt you later on. it's some sort of swanky western wear. He was into swanky okay. western wear, and this Chaz, and the re- the reason I mention it, um, and he wore like really slick suits, like white, you know, western suits. Um, the reason I mention it is this is his look now. From 2001 until now has been some variation of that. Oh, and let's not forget the debut of the legendary and ever-present Vincent Price mustache, 2001. <laughs> was that the debut? Yeah. This is his look. No, this is his look right now. He was still like um, he was still kind of scruffy and stuff uh, in '98 when he came back um, with Time Out of Mind. Uh-huh. And just kind of wearing whatever, you know, looking like looking like kind of a middle aged to older man. But then he turned into Vincent Price, like in two thousand one, <laughs> and he has a Western Western Vincent Price. I should I should point out. So I don't have points. Right, Jake, yeah. Jake, can we talk about the confusion? We got to talk about peg pants for a second. <laughs> can we? Because I looked it up. Okay. And the first one hundred photos are all women. Okay. Oh wait, there's one dude. All right, what is it? What do they look like in peg pants? Way down there. They I don't. They just look like pants. They're oh. kind of high waisted. Okay. And they're short, and they don't look like cowboy yeah, stuff okay. at all. Yeah. Okay. Now, how short? Like above the socks, or like above the like above the ankles? They're above the ankles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what he was doing. Did you think he was wearing those? Yeah. So he kind of had like okay. short pants, and then he'd have like his. I think it was kind of a '40s or '50s like doo-wop singer uh, kind okay, of. Okay, that I could kind of see. Okay. So like Little Richard kind what of, if I you do know. Pink pants, Dylan. Let's see if that shows anything up here. Let's take a look. <laughs> Let's. Let's talk about this. No, for the rest that, of no, I didn't do it. There's still a whole bunch more pictures of women in pants. Okay, well, I can see. Throw, throw Bob in that search there. Now, Bob, uh, now you know, getting, Bob. Now he, we're just Bob. He yeah. kind of had like, sh- uh, you know, like a shiny stripe down the side, maybe of the pants. Okay. You know, kind of a an affected. Oh, there I can see some. Okay, yeah, they're kind of baggy-ish. Yeah, a little baggy-ish. High waisted. Yep. Short. Yep. At the ankles. That's right, and he's probably got either a western shirt or some sort of nice like suit coat over it. He's got a vest in this one. Oh, a vest. Nice. Way to go. Way to shake it up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, All right, so, much, okay, okay. much like Peg Pants, <clears throat> Dylan was absolutely out there in 2001, in a way that we're not quite used to it, uh, it being for <laughs> Mr. Dylan. He was, he, this is his actual and for realsies comeback. Okay. So, if you'll recall, he came back Musically and culturally in '97, <clears throat> uh, with with time out of mind, and he, yeah. you know, he kind of like he instantly rebuilt his career, but everyone was afraid because the last time he instantly rebuilt his career with another Daniel Lanois production, Oh Mercy, uh-huh. in 1989, Dylan he instantly destroyed it again. Immediately pooped all over his career <laughs> for the next like seven years. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so we were all wondering, you know, is he going to poop on his career once again (laughs) and ruin the whole thing? But he took his time this time. He didn't release an album the next year, the next year, the next year. He released an album in 2001, and it was a a smash hit. And uh, so I'm just going to list some things that he did. What's the name of that one? Okay, this is called Love and Theft. Love and Theft, okay. okay, Love and Theft. And and I'll, I'll I'll get to its reception and all that stuff in just a minute. I just want to list some stuff that he did. This is like... This is almost Bowie-esque in terms of, okay. you know, he's just out there. So he had a, he had a never-ending tour. Uh, he played 106 shows in North America, Europe, Asia, and Oceania. That's and significantly more than the two partial shows that Bowie did in 2011. <laughs> that's, that's 105 and a half more shows <laughs> than Bowie did. Just outpacing him. Just a bit. <laughs> just barely. 
literally neck and neck there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we give this one to Dylan, but just barely. <laughs> okay. Um, including, uh, you know what? I'll get to that in just a little bit. Okay. He uh, released a live, well, him, his record company released a live 1961 to 2000, 39 years of great concert performances compilation in Japan and then later in the UK. He was on several compilations. How, how many discs is that? I don't, I don't think it's like more than two. I don't know. Like, how do you do that? Hey, here's 39 years of playing <laughs> shows. So we're going to pick out 20 tracks. Well, I wonder, if, I, wonder if it was, I wonder if it was one from each year or something. I don't know. He didn't release it in the United States, so I don't care. Okay. Uh, anyway, I think, I think it was part of the, it may have been part of the uh, copyright collection dump. That may, that may have been part of that whole thing. Yeah, I don't know if they don't need to do that until 50 years in. Oh, you might be right. That was, was projected copyright after 50 years. Because Bowie's getting into that now, it seems okay. like. Okay, all right. So there's potential for that to happen now, because we're getting up to his 50th anniversary of the stuff that matters. I think maybe the record label was just trying to juice him around the world again, like get him back out there, you know? Yeah. Even sense. though he'd been out there, he just stunk the whole time. <laughs> uh, so he released those albums. He released non-stop. a... The never-ending tour was never-ending during... Oh, yeah. Oh, all through the all through the golden years, Jess. All through the golden years. Through there. Um, oh, just one more thing about the never-ending tour. This was his, this apparently, and, you know, one day I'll become a nerd about it, but not today. This apparently was his absolute best band that he took out on the never-ending tour with him. Okay. Um, so good that they ended up going into the studio to record Love and Theft with him, which he rarely, if ever, brings in his really great band to play on his albums. So maybe that's uh, part prefers, of why... He some crappy session. He prefers, yeah, finding whoever down the street and making an awful <laughs> album. I don't know why. <laughs> Nobody knows why. Uh, that is an awesome crack team of uh, exactly of who who know who known and worked with for years. That's right. Who can like decipher his weird sphinx like um, directions on stage and you know follow him whenever <laughs> no one else could. No, we don't need those no. guys. Who cares about them? <laughs> he was on. Some... Whoever, say, whoever happens to be at the studio at the time. Yeah. Like, hey, who are you? Great. <laughs> He was on several compilation albums, the Sopranos compilation. He was on oh, a cool. he was on a tribute to Hank Williams. He was on a nice. compilation called The Legacy of Sun Records, and then he played on Ron Wood. Did he do, do any new songs for these? Or these old I songs? think. Gosh, that's I mean, a great. I the Sopranos is old songs. Like, the Sopranos is definitely song, an old Sun song. Records one has got to be old songs. Tribute to Hank Williams might be well. It might be new recordings of old songs. I don't know. Right. But they weren't released as singles. I don't. I mean, our whole compilation thing is we just don't really, unless it's oh, signif- no, it's not, if it's significant. I guess we'd do it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually don't know. No, like Bowie's, Bowie's not getting any, any points for covering you know, pictures of Lily. It's just interesting. yeah, it's just a thing. So, um, and then his his greatest accomplishment was playing on uh, erstwhile Rolling Stone legend Ron Woods' 2001 album, Not for Beginners. I bet you got, <laughs> bet you got a couple copies of that lying on your shelf. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Ron yeah. Wood and actually Ron Wood and Bob Dylan were like friends for years. So I, guess I got the super sense. deluxe edition called "Not for Intermediates." <laughs> it's like barely intermediaries. <laughs> uh, okay, he did some. Oh, okay, so he won. Let's see. No, he won the Grammy the next year. Uh, <clears throat> Oscar alert, Chaz. Oscar oh, wow. alert. Does Bowie have an Oscar? Because Bob Dylan does. I don't think he does. Whoa. Sure okay, so uh, Bob Dylan won an Academy Award for oh, the song Things, Dylan, watch out now. Things Have Changed from the movie The Wonder Boys. Best original song in a motion picture. Wow. That's right. Great song. I'll give it points later. Uh, How far is he to getting an EGOT? I don't think he has Unless an Emmy. Just, he has many, many... He's got to have a Grammy. Many Grammys. Um, everyone, I have a Grammy. You have a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, well, this podcast has a Grammy. Oh, so many Grammys! So many Grammys. So just, I got to throw we're them. In, in a, we're winning five, six or seven Grammys for this episode. Here we alone. are. <laughs> Indeed. That and Obies. That's what we got. Uh, I don't. You know what? I think he's just got two. I think he's go because he doesn't have a Tony. Okay, I don't think he has sense. a Tony. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, you know, go. Go is good. Go yeah. Is not too yeah. shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, let's see here. He did his first ever television ad for the run-up to Love and Theft. It's really bizarre. I don't know where it ra- <laughs> don't know where it ran on television, but uh, good for him. It was like he was like playing 
uh, poker maybe or blackjack? No, poker because they they ask for cards, and it's like a bunch of weird characters standing around and um, you know kind of bizarre characters. And then one of them comes and like attacks Bob, and then steals all the money, and then Bob just like smirks with his Vincent Price mustache into the camera <laughs> at the end. So that happened. You can go watch it if you want. <laughs> I will. Don't worry. <laughs> Do that. Uh, let's that's see here. For the next three um, I believe he played at the 73rd Academy Awards too. He played the song because I think it would make sense. They play the, yeah, play the original song songs. Okay, yeah. uh, he gave an interview uh, to the to the New York Times, and this yeah. is this is this is part of it. I love his interviews. They're just <laughs> he's such a jerk. Okay, here's it. Here it is. <laughs> he always is, and he always will be. These so-called connoisseurs of Bob Dylan music, I don't feel they know a thing or have any inkling of who I am or what I'm about. I know they think they do, and yet it's ludicrous. It's humorous and sad. That such people have spent so much of their time thinking about who? Me? Get a life, please. You're not serving your own life well. You're wasting your life. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's what Dylan tried to, like, knock the soapbox out underneath his biggest fans and most solid purchases of music okay and then he presumably dropped the mic and walked out of the room i guess (laughs) hey this is what you get for liking me yeah here it is yeah here it is you're horrible because you like and this was in the run-up this was this was in the uh interview cycle before the album came out (laughs) (laughs) hey buy the album but don't because it's pathetic that you like me it's pathetic you're wasting your life if you buy it but hey head on down to the store and buy it but hey. So Jake, that presumably goes for you. You have a podcast about him. If he knew about this podcast, <laughs> I, he I know he's talking. He's talking to me. My only, my he's only, you my right only now. solace is that um, you know, and I love these people, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Dylanologist. I don't go, I don't go that no. deep. So you know, my, it's it's an enthusiasm as we as we discussed. We're enthusiasts, right. not experts. Right, right. Um, now there's an interesting thing about Love and Theft, his album, which debuted at number yeah. five in the US, number six in the nice. UK, number three in nice. Australia. It went gold, baby, gold. Gold, sweet, sweet Can gold. you guess, I'm not even going to give you a, a multiple choice question, can you guess what date Love and Theft came out in, in 2001? Oh, it came out on September 11th, didn't it? Yes, it did. September 11th, 2001. I think I knew that. The Morning Dawned with Horror and New Bob Dylan Albums. Right. Um, I'm Which gonna... is sometimes are the same thing, but not in this case. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's not funny. Let's see. Uh, we're gonna do a, a little uh, a little segment I like to call Crackpot Corner. We've had crackpots. <laughs> People. Crackpot Corner. I don't think we played this before. So I guess not. But this is this is uh, this will go for for this and for one other album which you and I know and love. Um, People tried to, post 9-11, people tried to look at this album as some sort of premonition of 9-11 because it came out yeah. on the day. And even though none yeah. of the lyrics have anything to do with anything and it's impossible to have a premonition about things, um, people thought that it did. And so, yeah. and he, he had not even said that thing in the, in the Times. He, uh, you know, he said that before Which is, which is interesting because this kind of stuff comes there. You know, September 11th obviously was a big deal. We, uh, you and I were both... Yes. age for this like define our you know relationship with the world we're absolutely. both in college and like <laughs> absolutely I remember the really, day well. it is really interesting to me how people try to make sense of these kind of like horrible awful events and yeah. they try to do it through art in different ways and, and the only everything to it the they only kind of, Bowie didn't really release an album in 2001 he released one in 2002 but people saw that as a reflection even though it was almost entirely right. recorded before that's right everyone happened like, that's right People just try to process and find these pieces and try to connect things and make it make sense. But it's, it's an interesting it like, is. psychological the, thing to me. The other album, and I actually understand it a little bit more, even though you know uh, I don't believe in that sort of thing. But um, uh, Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out. Yeah. Before. Yeah, it came out in two thousand one, didn't it? Before that, but it had all these you know mm-hmm. buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, people thought that that was some sort of premonition about it, right? Which is just silly. So, an auspicious... I mean, the thing is, you know, when, you, when you're, like, this coalesced over one giant tragic event, you know? Yeah. I mean, because this was the one that defined our generation the same way that uh, Kennedy getting shot defined our parents' generation. Like, Absolutely. You start going through all of the art that came out in 2001, like, the right. entire year, you're going to find something that 
make some, some of kind course. of sense to connect in some way to this. It's just going to happen. Of course. And the, on, the only coincidence in Dylan's case is the release date. That's it. Right, there's right. no, There's nothing on there, you know, that would suggest that he had some sort of premonition about it. But I, right. yeah, I guess that is fascinating. I, I kind of think it's, like, disrespectful, personally. A little, I don't know. <laughs> I guess people, like, trying to make sense of the world, I think. Yeah, all right. Anyway, we got a little... We slowed things down here a little bit. We got a little, got a little deep here. Yeah, we got a little deep. We got a little. Okay, all right. So let's talk about love should, and theft. I feel like we should talk about tasty looks really quick or something just to there bring are, things back up. There are no. There are no tasty licks on love and theft. I mean, no, depend, no. Well, not not Mick in the Mick traditional Ronson sense. Died several years beforehand. Yeah. So. Not, now, Charlie the Sexton. Tasty, the tasty licks. Charlie Sexton is on this record, and he's the other. Per, oh well. He's our know? other purveyor of tasty licks. I mean, it depends <laughs> on what you our think. Other, our other main Bowie Dylan connection. Tasty licks are, you know, to me, it's like the Ronson screaming guitar tasty licks fest. This is something different, you know, in terms of like how the music is. So Love and Theft is a mashup. It's kind of a tour of Americana, all original songs. It's kind of a mashup uh, through, through the eyes and heart of Bob Dylan. It's a Roots rock record, blues and country of the 20s, 30s, and 40s, Chicago blues, Tin Pan Alley, crooning, Chaz, crooning, oh, there's a crooner, and uh, Jump Blues and Western Swing, all kind of put together, so um, this is kind of Bob's, like, really, really great, like, synthesized record, like, all of his influences up to that point, you know, especially the older ones before he, before he became big, Um, you know, there's no, like, traditional rock songs on it or anything like that, there's definitely some blues some bluesy stuff on there. So there's probably some licks, if now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you pretty, know. Pretty tasty blues licks. Could be a tasty little, blues could be a little more B.B. King style licks, you know. That's what I'm saying. That's it. Ronson licks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that all kind of like <clears throat> coalesced into this great whole. It's really, it's really, really good. Um, it's also the first time in a while that Bob Dylan had self-produced an album. He has since self-produced almost all of his albums since then. And okay. Bob Dylan has a pseudonym... For his production name. And I'm going to give oh you... Oh my gosh. I'm going to give I'm you to a multiple choice question and see if you can guess okay. all right, all what right. his pseudonym is. Okay? Here, it, here they are. A. Jimmy Nightingale. Okay. B. Sam Stone. C. Okay. Reggie Johnson. Okay. D. Jack Frost. Or E. Tom Thumb. Um, that Nightingale one. Nope, that's that was my favorite one that I made up though. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, it's Jack Frost is his pseudonym. Oh. oh, come on! You could do better. Ah, you could. You could have been like me. He could have been better like me. Jimmy Nightingale. That's what I'm saying. Jimmy Nightingale's pretty like, dang like good. Jimmy Nightingale. Yeah. Uh, so Love and Theft was produced. I like, I like Sam Stone too, by the way. Sam Stone's nice. Tom yeah, Thumb would have been a throwback they, to one of the They both sound like, songs. you know, classic forgotten, you know, blues musicians or something. Yeah, but. yeah or like lounge singers, you know. Ooh, yeah. Live tonight, it's Jimmy Nightingale. Jimmy Nightingale. Ooh, Jimmy Nightingale. Duke Silver. <laughs> Ron reference. Uh, so you should have that one in there. Love and Theft. I should have. That would have been good. Love and Theft was even more enthusiastically received than Time Out of Mind. It's wow. one of his best-reviewed albums ever, if not his best-reviewed album ever, at the time it came out. Yeah. Um, it's number one. It was number one in the Paz and Jop poll. Are you aware? I, I sometimes hear about this. Paz and Jop, it's a, it's a poll at the end of the year of, like, all of the critics, all of the uh, critics about like what... I've never heard of that. It feels like it's something I oh. should have heard of, but I don't I think know. It, I thought... Anyway, I, go on. I would have assumed you had. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a an influential whatever... You know, poll at the end of the year. So number one in yeah, that, yeah. number one in Rolling Stone. Great. <laughs> uh, what does that say? Yeah. We have a we have a controversy corner. Um, later, it was discovered that um, there was some of his homages uh, veered slightly near plagiarism. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Specifically, one of his songs has uh, specific references to a Junichi Saga book. I believe he's a Japanese um, author. He wrote a book called Confessions of a Z- Yazuka, which was like a crime boss kind of a person. Okay. Um, so Bob Dylan lifted at least two lines like directly from that book. 
Um, people tried to make a big deal out of it, as they as they are wont to do. Uh, but the author uh, Junichi Saga said later that he felt honored. It was only a couple. It was only a couple lines. It wasn't. Yeah, no, that's that's probably within the realms of you know. <clears throat> yeah. Quoting creative exactly, quoting. and I guess um, his next album called Modern Times. I guess that one got slammed even harder. We'll have to talk about that when that comes okay. out. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, oh, because Modern Times is a good one too, right? Yes, it is. It is. Oh, yeah, and well, this this apparently Bob Bob thinks you know that we have to think about all of his albums in trilogies, even if they're not <laughs> trilogies at all. Um, so Time Out of Mind is its its own its own monster. Apparently, that doesn't belong to a trilogy. That was like okay. that was to get him back on track. Love and Theft, Modern Times, and then um, oh gosh, what's the two thousand? Oh man, I'm forgetting the two thousand nine album that. Oh, Jake. I know. I'm in, uh, oh. Together Through Life. Together Through Life. He, Bob considered... I mean, to, to be fair, your forgetting of one of his album titles probably makes you, like, rise in, in Dylan's esteem. <laughs> exactly. So you're not so obsessed that you know it's off the top of your head. Oh, to man. be fair. Yeah. I like him, but not not too much, you know? <laughs> not too I've much. I've never forgotten my children's names, and I did just forget the name of one, so... so. All right. A couple other tour things. Bob Dylan returned to New York City, um... To Madison Square Garden on on the other important date of two thousand one, uh, what was it? The other one, mm-hmm. aside from September eleventh. Yeah, I mean, far less important, but still important to to one of us. Let's just say that. Uh, was it one of our birthdays? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't want to give out my birthday on this podcast. Jake. We already have. <laughs> Uh, why don't you just say it, Jake? Just it was November 19th, 2001. Oh, good work. So that's Charlie's birthday, everyone. Oh, Jake. Oh, no. As if it couldn't be inferred. Sometimes uh, we play a long con and listen to all the episodes of this podcast <laughs> to get enough information about us to steal any of these, Jake. And then... And then we go and we do an interview with the Times years later where we disparage those people for liking, for looking back <laughs> for on our liking, work. For listening to the podcast in the first place. For trying to, for trying to make some you. sense of it all. Uh, so he played at that date. Now, I didn't read, I, I expected to read that if Bob Dylan, who is a New York legend from his uh-huh. early days there, if he returned to Madison Square Garden and sold it out for two nights, uh, you know, two months Two months after 9-11, and yeah. he played all of his old hits. He didn't even play stuff from Love and Theft. It was like a, it was like a greatest hits extravaganza. Yeah, I expected to you know read like lots of articles about what a big deal this was, and I didn't read. Yeah, a, that makes I, sense. I didn't read any articles about that, so I don't. Oh, I don't well. really know. He did 105 other shows that year, to be fair. So yeah, this one just, just should have been the special one, and I maybe it was, and I'm just not. I'm just not reading the right things. I should have. You know, looked harder, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Should have carried a little bit more, but also a little bit less granted to Don. All right, and last thing before I throw it to points, uh, he got tighter security at his concerts after 9-11 uh, for obvious yeah. reasons. Everyone was. There was kind of a fear that people were going to be attacked again, yeah. um, especially like American institutions and things like that. Right. So he, and Bob is an American institution. <clears throat> that he is. A relic, some might say. Uh, he was he was accidentally barred from his own concert in Oregon because he didn't have a backstage pass. <laughs> so the the, uh, the the bouncers were like, "Nope, you Bob Dylan." Wait, the, Bob, <laughs> the real Bob Dylan doesn't have a mustache. Hey, okay, you look what like is that Vincent Price mustache. You, you look like Vincent no, you Price. You don't you don't get in here. Hey, what's what's up with those those girly pig pants over there? Huh? That's how people talk in Oregon. Pretty sure. <laughs> That's you, lived there. you lived there before, Jake. You know. You're probably like, oh, sir, we're so sorry. We just can't serve you at your own concert right now. <laughs> uh, no, that was too polite. This is not Minnesota, Jake. Yeah, we're pretty darn polite out. Pretty darn polite out here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Bob Dylan was outraged that he couldn't get Come into on. his I own. live in, like, little Canada over here, Jake. That's true. No, no state more polite. Oh, hey. Minnesota. Minnesota nice. Hey, neighbor. Uh, that's it. I am barring myself from talking anymore at my own concert. Go for points, <laughs> sir. All right, points. Points. So let's see here. Bowie's got about two things that are even like available for points. Yep. Uh, number one would be his appearance in Zoolander, but it's just a cameo, so no points for that. 
And secondly Ooh. is his <laughs> compilation of his own instrumental songs called All Saints. Yep. Which really is not a bad thing, but really unnecessary. So yeah. So getting zero points. And nothing new there. So, Bowie kicks off 2001 <laughs> with zero points. Wow, interesting. Back to you, Jake. Oh, hey <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not prepared. So, Usually, still didn't suck it up, which you already made it clear that he did. No, he did uh, not. He didn't. Maybe Bowie's not going to win this one. He if didn't. he had released the album he intended to release in 2001, then he probably still would have lost. But... It yeah, would have been a fight. this is one of this is one of Dylan's great years. He he came out he yeah, came out firing. That's kind of a bit big from what everything you've said. So let's it's talk about let's talk about Love and Theft a little bit more. Um, he, uh, I'll just read you some facts about it. It's not it's it's not just some like pastiche or like warmed over homage to all of these things. Like I said, he synthesizes it very well. I remember this is almost a BVD award for. Uh, it's probably time out of mind. This is second place BVD award for album <laughs> album that I in, enjoyed and listened to the most at, when it came out. Like I okay. definitely right. listen to this all the time. It's a great like driving in the summer record. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, to wit, there's a there's a nice Dylan darkness to it. His songwriting was really up to snuff here. Um, the song "By and By," which is mostly just a love song, it's one of his croony songs. Really kind of lazy, you know, rolling song makes you feel like uh-huh. you're having a glass of lemonade or something. This is the last. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good, man. Uh, even though it's negative twenty thousand degrees where you live right now. I, I want everyone to know right now that I am home from work today because yeah. it's so cold. Yeah, <laughs> in Minnesota. That it's doesn't so happen right now that, that very often. I, mean, I, I work at a school, and, and just due to cold, they closed the schools today and tomorrow. Preemptively, they already closed it for tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, I sound like I'm complaining right now. I'm not really sure why. I do like my job, but you know, it's nice to have a little break every once in a while. Well, yeah, and it's, back it's, to you, Jake. I do a podcast in the middle of the day. It's nice. Work schedule. It's nice not to uh, freeze your skin and die when you go outside. Yeah, we're not going outside today. Good. Good for you. Uh, Bob Dylan didn't either when he wrote By and By. Not in the winter, anyway. But the last verse contains these lines. Well, I'm going to baptize you in fire so you can sin no more. I'm going to establish my rule through civil war. Going to make you see just how loyal and true a man can be. Make sense of that, Chaz. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to... Beat you into loving me? Is that what <laughs> I don't know. Baptize you in fire so you can sin no more. Aich. I caramba, yeah, Bob. I'm also Bob. I mean, I'm Maybe. a Bowie fan. I know all about weird messianic lines in the middle of otherwise weird yeah. songs. But. Yeah, Dylan usually quotes from the Bible. He doesn't usually like make up his own bi- <laughs> biblical... <laughs> I was say, that was rather, you know, parts that he were rather early 70s Bowie-esque. There you go. All right, so there's that. He semi-successfully uses the phrase booty call in one of his songs. <laughs> I did No, it's not because he's rapping, or it's not because uh, you know. I mean, he's certainly trying to be clever, but he somehow works it in there in a way that it doesn't make you cringe, which is, I think, incredible. That's incredible. That <laughs> is incredible. Almost worth a bonus point right there. I know, I know, it almost is. He gave uh, one of the best songs on the album called Mississippi um, to Cheryl Crow it was for her nineteen ninety eight album, The Globe Sessions. He had recorded it for Time Out of Mind, and then didn't feel like he got it right. And then he recorded a version around that time that ended up on the box set, Telltale Signs, which is the best version of it. But there's another version on a Sheryl Crow album, which is, she does not, um, she doesn't capture its essence, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was polite. <laughs> yeah, that's polite. It's not bad. It's just, you know, uh, uh, comparing it to the Bob Dylan version isn't really fair, probably. Okay. Uh, what else? Is that it? I thought I had more things listed. Anyway, I'm going to give it a 4.0 out of 5. Woohoo! It is a, a classic. It's his, yeah, wow. It's his last truly great album. Okay, all right. He's got other good ones, but this one's the last truly great. The last he, truly great one. Okay. He released a, one single. I wish he would release like four singles so I could just just dominate. Just notch it up, yeah. But I mean, um, you're already dominating. I am. So you already have four points more than, than Bowie. That's right. And it's not going back down either. So <laughs> I was say, it's, like it's only going up from here. His single is Tweedledee and Tweedledum. It's great. I wish I could explain it to you. You'll probably just have to go. <laughs> have to go. It's the well, opening song the on the album. Reference great, there, I don't know. great album opener. I give it a plus one. Uh, what do you think about getting an Oscar? Is that a point or a point five? Well, that's no points. 
you no get points? points for getting for other people giving you awards. But it's an Oscar. Didn't... Yeah, but still. All right. Never mind. Tour uh, has cut his crack band. It's his best band. 106 shows. I'm going to give this a plus one. Yeah. Okay, so he gets a 6.0 for the year. <laughs> hey that, that is more than zero. That's more than zero. Last I checked. Um, I'm no mathematician. <laughs> well, that's plain to see. <laughs> but I did get through several math classes. Yeah. I from high school. Did, you, did, you, you did better than me in math, I want to probably. I did. Yeah. Well, there was that one time you and I were in the same math class. Yeah. That was embarrassing for you. It was, but I knew I knew my limitations in math. If it had been like, if it had been like, <laughs> but liter- you still know that six is more than zero. <laughs> well, I did then. I don't know about now. I lost all. Anyway, all right. Next episode, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a very special, very yeah, awful episode. Tell them right. about it. Next up is our twenty-fifth anniversary, Jake. It's our silver anniversary. It's our silver. And rather than silver, <laughs> we're giving each other the gift of a nader of pair of Nader Raider episodes. Garbage. Episodes 25 <laughs> and 26 Woo! are going to be very special episodes dedicated to Bowie and Dylan's worst years, respectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm almost not sure. I don't think we should say what uh, years we're No, let's not. Let's leave it a little surprise. Yep. So the next episode, number 25, will be Bowie's worst year, in my estimation. Yep. If later on we somehow find a worse one, well, I'm sorry, but I don't yeah, know how it's exactly. going to beat this one. Without going through and them all, it's kind of hard to tell. 26 will be Dylan's worst year. Yeah. Now, also, interestingly, both years are pretty bad for the opposite <laughs> one. So no doubt. No doubt. It's going to be, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a wrapped present We're going to have some special features in there, garbage. including... Uh, pre-recorded uh, reactions from our loved ones yeah. about these awful albums yeah. and awful years. It should be a real treat. Real, real treat, Jake. So what you're saying is I actually have to edit one of these things now? That's what, that's yeah, what you're well, trying to say? I mean, you committed to that <laughs> earlier on. And now oh. I just said we we're going to do it on the, on, on the podcast itself. So now you're, now you're really... I'm going to edit this part. I'm going to edit this part right out is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Which part is just to do what I just said you're going to do or to yeah. edit out? This part? No, I'm going like, to edit out. the same amount of work, right? I'm going to do more work to edit this part out so I don't have to commit to that other thing you said. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> well, ladies and gentlemen, yep. uh, go out there and, I don't know, have fun. Don't go out in the cold if you're in Minnesota. Except you won't yeah. be listening to this until well after the cold snap has passed. So and if you live go in ahead the, and go outside. If you live in the Pacific Northwest, it's about 50 degrees and sunny. So enjoy yeah. it. Plus, you won't be listening to this until at least March 1st, at which point it won't be horribly cold anymore. So It'll probably be Saturday. Uh, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And so long. Bye.